Come on up here, Sam. We're so excited to hear and see what God is doing. And, and just a little update: um, we've been keeping in contact with all the the YWAMers, Youth with the Mission kids that we've sent out, young adults. And this week, us elders on the text thread, we got to get a little glimpse of what all they're doing and passing it around. And you know, we hadn't heard from our son in five days, and my wife was kind of freaking out. And thank you, Jesus. He texted us last night and said, "I'm still alive. I'm okay." Yes, it was good. Good morning, brother. But it, it is so exciting to see God doing a work around the world and in the young people. And we have, um, like I said, two brothers in this church that have gone out. And we, I think it's important. We, we pray for them, right? We send them out. But I want to hear the report. I want to hear what God has done. And so our brother Sam is going to speak and just share a little bit this morning on the good report of how God used him. But more, more importantly, what God is doing um, all over the world and in Nigeria. And so we're excited to hear that. And after him, our brother German's going to come up. And so can we give a big welcome to Sam this morning? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. No one voted you into office and no one can vote you out. You are God all by yourself. Thank you this morning for bringing us here together again. We pray, Lord, that may the Holy Spirit do something in our lives that we'll live here and we'll not need to remember the message, but we'll say, what are we going to do with the message? In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Can the church say amen? Good morning, church. I want to appreciate the uh, leadership of the church for this uh, privilege uh, to just share with what uh, transpired uh, in our mission last year to the nation of Liberia. But as I share that, I'd like to just give you a brief journey of uh, where I'm coming from. I am a Nigerian the greatest black nation on earth. <laughs> and I, I was in the southern part of Nigeria where Christianity uh, is very predominant. And when the Lord spoke to me about 18 years ago, uh, I was studying vigorously to become a lawyer because I get passionate with seeing people maltreated. So... When that call came, I had to leave the southern part and go to the northern part of Nigeria, where we have a lot of religious extremists. And uh, it was a very tough decision, but I took it. And from that time, 18 years along the line, as the trees were passing by, God helped us. We visited several villages with my team, uh, we were able to preserve over 5,000 photos to uh, uh, some of the things that the Lord was doing. And to even thought that we were in the midst of the Muslims and preaching the gospel where they wouldn't even allow you to put your 
your church samples outside, and uh, and God kept us. Many thought I was going to uh, get into some kind of trouble and explode, but because of the bomb blasts that were being thrown here and there, but God kept us until today. We are still waxing strong. Yeah. And every day of my life, I'm very grateful to God that I answered the call that early. Because by the time I'll be 70, I will just sit in my house and begin to look at the pictures. And begin to look at the videos of crusades. We've visited more than 200 villages with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're indigenous missions. And so when the Lord said it was time to come to the United States, I said, all right, let me come there and see the brethren, but we have to go back to Africa to continue from where we have not really stopped because when I left, I had men who worked with me and then I handed over the work to them and I supervised. So all the time my schedules are very crazy because I got to talk to missionaries from Nigeria, talk to missionaries from Liberia, talk to missionaries from Syria alone, I talk to missionaries from Kenya, talk to missionaries from South Africa. So all of that, and my passion is to see that uh, every heart is planted with Jesus. When once that is achieved, there will be no need for crime. Because when a man carries Jesus, he won't be comfortable hurting someone else. So let's look at this. Uh, Acts chapter 19 verse 20 he said, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And this is uh, the, the Acts 19 and verse 20. This is the account of the Pauline exploits in the nation of Ephesus. And I'm happy that the word of God has the capacity to grow. And I'm also happy that the word of God has the capacity to prevail. But if it didn't grow, it's not going to prevail. And so... The question we're going to ask is that what did the Apostle Paul do that made the world to grow and prevail? It didn't just grew, it said mightily grew. And so I outlined some point for uh, 18 years of pastoring, I don't have the inspiration to look at notes because most of the time I finish preparing my message, I get to the pulpit and the Lord says, you're not saying anything from it. But I'm going to try to say what I wrote here. Holy Spirit, just permit me. And now, mightily grew the word in Ephesus and prevailed. So what did he do when he entered Ephesus? We, we all remember that he saw an inscription with, to, uh, to, to the unknown God. And he knew that there was a lot of work to be done. So the first thing he did was to look for the disciples that were raised by Apollos, who only knew the baptism of John and didn't know about Jesus. And so he saw the work. He was with just two of his companions, Aristarchus and Gaius. And uh, he asked them, what baptism did you baptize with? They said, just John. He said, okay. He placed hands on them, and then the Holy Ghost came upon them. Now, I have had situations in the missions where we were driving across the mountains in the northern part of Nigeria, and then we missed our way, and for three hours we were going the wrong direction. And along the line... The gas finished on the bike, on the motorcycle, because the road is not even motorable. 
And then uh, my, my driver looks at me because I will go with about three motorcycles. The roads are very wonderful. Some of you have been in Africa before. I'm in the rural areas, but we have some very beautiful cities. I promise you that. So uh, the gas got finished. And I, I told my dad, what are we going to do? We're in the middle of nowhere and we're even in the wrong direction. Because when we asked some farmer, I said, this is not the way. You're supposed to go back and, man. I said, what are we going to do? So I just said, Lord, we cannot walk this distance. I placed my hands on the motorcycle. And then I said, whatever gas is going to come, I don't, I don't care. But Father, in missions, we don't expect miracles. We see miracles. Let this bike take us to the next level. And I tell you the truth. I will say start the bike and it starts the motorcycle. And the motorcycle will take us. And I don't know what is propelling it until we get to where we could put gas. You see, some of you might not believe it, but the truth is that I get very uncomfortable when Christians, the, what the Bible said, these signs we follow those who believe. They don't believe the signs. <laughs> these signs will accompany them that believe, but you don't believe it. Science says, prove it and I will believe it. But the gospel says, believe it and I will prove it. <laughs> so if, if I told you that we had a motorcycle moving without the gas in it, you should believe it. Because I'm telling you nothing but the truth. So the work in Ephesus was enormous and it had to Anoint these 12 guys, place his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Ghost. And then the workforce started. When I was ready to go to the nation of Liberia last year, and I thank God so much for the church of the prayer, they prayed for me, and I got home, I told my team, I said, the kind of prayer that the church prayed for me today, all of us are covered. So don't worry about anything. I had to call the bishop of the church in, in Liberia and said, I'm coming. And with the work that is on ground, we cannot do it alone. Raise men, and then they were able to raise about 50 ministers and began to plan for this meeting. What did he do? He built a team, first thing, and then secondly, he went into the synagogue for three months and began to preach. But when he saw that they were obstructing to the message of the cross, he moved ahead and started a daily lecture in the hall of Tyrannius. One tradition says he preached from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day for two years. Every day. He had preached in the synagogue for three months and he saw that these guys were not helping me expand what God had placed in my heart. He went into the lecture hall of Tyrannius for two years. It wasn't a weekly meeting. It was a daily meeting. He preached the word until the whole of Asia had the word. Now, when they had the word, what happened? Anyway, the true gospel is preach. Signs and wonders are never a surprise. 
Yeah, if it's the true gospel. <laughs> and you know the good thing about the lecture hall of Tyrrhenius is that it was not only the Jews that came to hear the word now. It was open to everyone. So people wouldn't say this is a kind of a sect that we can't go and associate with them. Everyone started coming. And then when they came, then an explosion of miracles began to take place. Now the first thing that happened was that God began to do unusual miracles through the hands of the apostles. Miracles that were above the common road of nature. Miracles that scientists see, you can't explain God. No one can explain God. In the course of that influence, some seven sons of Sceva, even though what they did was bad, but I like that kind of an influence. Even though they wanted to do it with, the neg with negative intentions, but what happened to them led to the name of the Lord being feared and praised. They went to this demon and, and said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached, that is influence. <laughs> so Paul preached until they had, and they are now saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached. It didn't stop there. The word kept growing that people went and took their magic books and their charms that they used in casting spell and they didn't just burn it at their individual houses. They brought it in the presence of the people. They showed their repentance by their deeds. They were not ashamed to own it. They didn't say, let's resell it. They burned it. And you can imagine the number of them that did that. That the movement in Ephesus became strengthened. Because we have the 12 disciples that Apostle Paul had laid hands on, and then we have the two that were with him. So 12 plus 3, we have 15. And then with these guys who born, I, I sometimes I get really, really surprised, you know, because I, I, I saw that we have over 246 million Americans who are Christians. And sometimes I drive along the road and I say, where are they? Where are the Christians? Jesus said we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And yet you can't relate with your neighbor. The other day we heard that a young man died in his house. And after seven days, when nobody had anything about him, they break the door and saw that he had died on his cushion and nobody knew <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself that's what Jesus said your neighbor needs to see the light of God in you the culture of Christianity is to look out for others so if you live with your neighbor for two weeks and you don't know how it looks like then you are not representing Christ Praise God. This went on until the whole of Asia had the word of God. So when we embark on our trip and we entered into the nation of Liberia, it was a very busy trip. 
We were traveling from different locations. And then as we arrived, all the team were ready. We went to a village called Kakata. We went to, in fact, it was, it, it was purely street outreach. We went to a village called Cotton Tree Village. But before we got into the village, we entered into the market and preached the gospel. As we preached, a lot of them came raising their hands and said, we want to give our life to this Jesus you are talking about. And then we went to uh, 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 Bong Mines. As soon as we arrived at Bong Mines, people were already waiting because they said some missionaries have just arrived. Everywhere was flooded with people. And we kept preaching and the Lord began to do what only him knew how to do. On the night of Saturday, when I was to minister, the glory of God came upon the auditorium. The way I have not felt for a very long time. And everyone that was there said, something happened today in this meeting. And then when we finished, I said, okay, what happened? Because Jesus is interested with us going after fruits that will abide. If you are an evangelist, you can't show us proof. Then there's something wrong with your gospel. He said, go and bear fruit, and fruit that will abide. And then when we compile all the decisions for Christ, we had spent about five days doing all of that. In one of the days we went out, we came back and we were so tired and man, we just went straight to the bed because we left from morning. We're traveling across vehicles. I think about four, five vehicles were moving from one location to the other, meeting people on the street, meeting them on the market, meeting them in the venue that we've talked about, and then preaching the gospel to them. We had about 468 decisions for Christ. Now, this is what I want to say as uh, our brother prepares to come and tell us what happened at Ghana. In 18 years of me doing this work, the most powerful miracles I've encountered is lives that were genuinely transformed. I could see it from their side. I could see it from their laughter. When I see this life genuinely transform and come to Christ, that makes me forget. Because some of my trips were 48 hours on the road with a vehicle that had no AC. Some of them 24 hours. We don't have planes. Where would, where would plane land in the first place? Even if I see a pilot, I won't follow the pilot because I don't trust him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm because of the, the, the rural areas, we are not very uh, careful with a lot of stuff like that. I saw life transform. As we're living the nation of Liberia, I told them that I'll be coming back. And then some of the team said, okay, we're moving to Syria alone. They said, so we're going ahead of you to Syria alone, and we're also going to cover Syria alone and Guinea Conakry. As God gives us the grace before we take it back to the northern part of Nigeria, we have a mission school that is on construction in Nigeria because we put this mission school in the midst of this brethren. I said, look, we must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. In closing, Apostle Paul anointed 12 men through the laying on of, 
through the lane of his hands, and they went out, plus three men with him making 15, and they turned the whole of Ephesus upside down. For two hours, people came protesting, and the only thing that they were shouting was, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. For two hours, they said, because this fellow called Paul is coming to tell us of a God that we are not used to and therefore is going to affect our trade. These were about 15 men. This morning, how many are we here? Why is Takuma not on fire for Christ? What are we doing? What is going on? In your estate, why are there no bonfire there? In your streets, how can we be four, one, 246 million people and where majority of us are so cold? A lot of corporations in America are owned by Christian, but they still open them on Sunday morning. And you still see people flooded those areas. They're supposed to be in church. And they said, no. We're interested with the dollar. Where I got an employment in Washington State, I told them, if you don't take away Sunday, count me out. Count me out. I will be in the church and worship with the brethren. I can't work on Sunday. It's against the tenet of my faith. I want you to live here this morning and think about your life. I said, all the things that grace has given me, what am I doing with it? Like pastor said last Sunday, the message he preached set me on fire. He said, it is the responsibility of the sheep to reproduce, not the shepherds. It is the responsibility of the sheep to reproduce, not the shepherd. How many seats are empty beside you? What are you doing about it? I leave you to your fate. <laughs>